You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jingle. Good morning. Hi. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. It's been a crazy rainy weekend up here in Canada where I'm uh, outside of Ontario, or sorry, in Ontario here outside of Toronto area. So I hear you guys, did you guys finally get rain? We did. That you needed down there? Yes. It was okay, wonderful. That's good. And then it was followed yeah, by awesome. three gorgeous days. So it was perfect. <laughs> awesome. Good to hear. So Thanks let's get the weather forecast from our guest here. See how the weather's <laughs> going for him. <laughs> I'd like to uh, welcome Jason Sabe. Welcome to the show. We're really excited to have you here. How are you doing? Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, weather here, I'm in uh, Portland, Oregon area, and we're actually getting a little bit of clouds today, but it's been beautiful the last few days. So uh, I can't complain. Very nice. nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to one of your podcasts a little while back when I think Sarah was like having like a major drought in California and you got, you're in Oregon and it was like nice and lush and green. So it's been a weird, weird, weird summer so far for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get as much rain, but uh, when not as much rain up here still means a lot of rain. So. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Totally. That's true. Nice and green. Nice and green. Right. Well, you got yeah. a lot of, a lot of great things going on up there. You want to fill us in on who you are and what you got going on? Oh man. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, like you said, my name is Jason Saib. I have a, I have a podcast called the everyday, uh, or well, it was called the paleo lifestyle and fitness podcast with Sarah. And we recently changed it to the JASA podcast and we can get into why that we made those changes in a few minutes if you'd like, but just kind of having to pull back from the paleo community a little bit. I have a um, a small gym here in the Portland area called uh, the uh, CPC Fitness and Fat Loss. My primary clientele are uh, we were about seventy percent women. Um, the huge majority of those are uh, frustrated uh, clients with fat loss goals. You know, lo lots of yo-yo dieting in their past, lots of um, of uh, starvation and and cardio and and all of the mainstream prescription stuff. So a lot of broken metabolisms. Um, I also, uh, have, uh, a, a couple of books. One, my first one was called the paleo coach. Uh, that was a, a print book published by victory belt. And I had, um, most recently a, uh, an ebook with written with Sarah called the JASA method, uh, kind of a, a scientific and psychological approach to lifestyle change. And that is an ebook and Kiefer actually published that one for mm -hmm. us. Um, what else? I'm sure I'm leaving out a thousand things. We have an online training community called, um, uh, Jossa fit. There's about uh, 700 or 750 members on there. Um, we, uh, I'm doing a couple of, couple of projects outside of the public sector with, um, with a few police departments up here in the Portland area. Um, it's slowly, uh, well, it's been about a year long project. It's actually growing a little quicker than I can, I can keep the reins on it, but it's, we're, um, we're, I think we're slowly turning it into something that's going to be very, very duplicatable that we'll be able to uh, help a lot of, a lot of police officers with. Um, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm always writing. I've got three more books in the works. Uh, uh, 
yeah, I'm probably leaving out a hundred things. I'm a husband and daughter of three little girls. My daughters are eight, uh, six, and four. And um, we live on about 35 acres of forest here in the Portland, Oregon area, about 15 minutes outside of town. And that's pretty much the whole story. All you in a nutshell. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and our readers or our listeners are probably very familiar with the JASA method. And cool. I was wondering if you could just maybe elaborate on that a little bit and how that got started and what was the reasoning behind that book? Because I think it's really interesting. And I know a lot of our, uh, our followers actually ask us about it quite often. Cool. Well, yeah, I, um, for me, uh, the way it came about was, um, a few, a few years ago, I started really acknowledging that when you work in fat loss and your goal is to help frustrated people change their bodies, you get to this point where it becomes apparent that you're no longer really do a very small part of your job is about bodies. It really is about minds and where people's heads are and how they change and their body image and all of those kinds of things. And uh, I have a friend, um, Robert B. Zwastiner. He's been on my podcast a few times. He's a, uh, a, a prominent, very successful psychologist in um, working mostly in positive psychology. Uh, his dad's a really big name psychologist himself. Um, he's uh, named Ed Diener. And if any of your listeners are uh, psychologists, they already know who that guy is. I think Ed right now is about the 19th most cited psychologist in history with Freud being number one. Wow. So he's a really, really big name, kind of a superhero in the psychology world. And um, uh, Robert is is no, you know, not very far behind him, really done a lot of huge things. And he and I have been brainstorming for quite a while, just getting together and kind of doing a little bit of, of uh, brainstorming and think tank type stuff on, on, on this whole industry. And the questions that have bothered me the most are things like, you know, the the – the mainstream fitness industry, their perspective is, you know, we provide plans. We, we come up with a diet plan or an exercise plan or both. And um, in reality, I mean, the best plans out there aren't even reaching 20% of the people who try them. Mm-hmm. And the industry says, well, you didn't do it. You didn't follow through. You didn't do everything we told you to do. My plan works. It's your fault. You lack willpower, something else about your character. Uh, you didn't go hard or go home. Mm-hmm. And they're right. I mean, t- to be honest, they're right. They-, they can stand behind that if they like. They can stand there and say, the majority of people who try my diet fail, but the majority of people who do my diet succeed. And if you're accurate on that and you really did write a good diet, Cool, you can you can you can go with that if you like, but that's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. My problem was any majority needs to be heard. And if nobody is even reaching 20%, chances are most diets aren't even getting anywhere near 10%. You draw footprints on the ground, and if you say you step here, 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 and here, you will get these results. And the huge majority of people can't step in those footsteps for whatever mm-hmm. reason. We have some pretty big fish to fry, in my opinion. Why is this the case? And the only thing that, that the only way that I could stay in that place where I agreed with the rest of the industry was that it's not my problem. I wrote a good plan. Would be if I was basically saying, "Well, humans suck. People just inherently suck. 
They're just bad at doing things like this. They want to be uh, overweight and have terrible bodies and bad health. And I don't believe any of that. I believe that there's mismatches here that we have to get to the bottom of. And so as I started digging in and with Robert's unbelievable level of help, what we came to was things like people are lacking internal loci of control. If you don't have an internal locus of control, you don't really believe you can do this. Mm -hmm. So the start of that whole thing is I'm, you know, a 14 year old girl and I start to believe that I'm overweight. There's a damn good chance that I'm nowhere near overweight. And someday I'll look back at these pictures and I'll think, oh my God, look at how cute I was, how sad it is that I already thought I was overweight. But when I think I'm overweight, I'll start down the typical path. And the typical path is don't eat very much food and mm-hmm. move around a whole bunch. Yep. And then you slowly break your metabolism. And then over and over and over again, you fail because that path never works. And then you lose your internal locus of control. You believe God hates me. I'm supposed to be fat. There's no way I can actually change this. And then each time you come to a diet with that little glimmer of hope, that inner voice in the back of your head is yelling, why are you keeping yourself from that cheesecake right now when you know damn well you're going to fail anyway? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so once that internal locus of control is gone, then uh, it, it, you know, it goes hand in hand with you know, the, the whole time having this extrinsic motivation, this motivation that says there's nothing that I'm doing during diet and exercise that I would ever do on a desert island. See, the three of this on the three of us on this call right now, mm-hmm. if we got trapped on a desert island, we would spend a day looking for a way off, looking for some food. And when we found those things and we knew we could sustain ourselves, we'd be looking for some low hanging branches to do pull ups on <laughs> or some big heavy rocks to lift. Probably. That's right. <laughs> why? Because this we don't do we don't do pull ups. Because we're concerned that if we don't do pull-ups, people won't like us. Or that if we do do pull-ups, people will like us better. Mm -hmm. We do those things because we enjoy being healthy and fit. And looking good is a nice byproduct, but not the reason that we do it. Exactly. Okay. So if you only do this because, my God, if I could just get my butt smaller, people will like me better. And if people like me better, my whole life will be better. More, I'll get more dates. I'll get better jobs. All of these things that we just absolutely know aren't true. But if we believe those things, then every step of the process is a cross to bear. Mm-hmm. Every food you don't eat is is missed. Every food you have to eat is torture. Every pull-up you do is misery. And it's all just in the name of this nebulous thing that you never get to because the better your body gets, the closer you stand to the mirror with that magnifying glass in your hand. Mm-hmm. So when we get to all of this stuff, we start to come to this place where what in the hell does this have to do with bodies? The people that come in with this... Um, uh, you know, people have come into my gym with what, you know, uh, what I've coined the um, uh, uh, the uh, aesthetic goal conundrum. And basically what that says is nine out of 10 people will typically come in and you'll ask them why they're here, what made them get in their car and drive down to the gym. And they'll point at parts of their body and they'll pinch things or to some degree, the message is, I hate this body. Can you help me escape it? Mm-hmm. And those people struggle and typically fail. And then the other person, that one, another one in 10, or maybe if it's even one in 20 sometimes comes in and their message is, yeah, you know, I've let some things get out of control. My body deserves better than this. Can you teach me how to give my body what I know it deserves so I can get back to being awesome? And those people get results 
so fast it makes the other people's head spin. And then that nine out of 10 go to that person and they go, oh my God, how much weight have you lost? What's your pant size? You're so small. And that one person's going, you know what? I can do, I have a, a 200 pound deadlift and I can work in my garden right. all day without getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, 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 my, and I feel great. My sex drives back and I sleep good. And all you want to talk about is my damn pant size. Right. Like, which what? they, which they probably don't even know because they're not concerned with that. Right. They're yeah. hearing it for the first time when other people tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah, like, oh, sure. I do look good. I didn't know I looked good. Thanks for telling me. I was busy <laughs> focusing on all this stuff that I don't know actually matters. Right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so here we are. I mean, the exact same things are applied in a gym like mine and in the places where you guys train. You're applying the exact same stimulus to all of these people. I mean, there's little tweaks for what they need, but mm-hmm. it's the same basic concept. And a lot of people fail while other people have unbelievable easy success. What is the difference? I honestly believe that 99% of the time it's about what's going on in their head. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. A hundred percent. I see it just over and over and over again. And it's almost at the point now, like Alex and I mostly work online with people. So we have a really thorough assessment that we do that's all written. And it's almost like just reading the words on paper. I can tell you right away. And I, I don't like to, you know, be the person that says this person isn't going to be successful, but you just get that sense by reading what's on that paper mm-hmm. that what is in their head is going to be what sabotages them in the long run. Yep. Yeah. You just know, you just want to mm-hmm. tell them you're not ready. You're not yeah. ready. You need to go fix this in your head. You're coming here for me to tell you, Hey, uh, do these jumping jacks and, and eat this bite of food and, and, and a genie's going to pop out of your butt and grant your wishes. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality is your head is in a place that's not going to allow for success. But if you tell them that up front, you sound like that guru sitting on the mountaintop in full right. lotus position, telling them that if they, you know, just become one with the universe, that all miracles will happen. And it, but the bottom line is it's true. I mean, like we have studies showing things like, like, um, there, there was a, a lady named Ellen Langer, amazing psychology researcher that was studying placebo effects. And she went into a, a massive hotel and divided, uh, the, the housekeepers, the hotel, uh, the room, the ladies who cleaned the rooms divided them in half and told 50% of them that they were already doing the amount of work each day that the amount of work that exceeded the surgeon general's recommendations for exercise, like basically high five, you're already doing a great job. And a month later, these women were like that better blood pressure down a couple mm. of pounds of fat, like all of these health markers improved. And all they did was believe that they were doing the right thing. And yet we have this medical community that says, you know, there's this mind body barrier. And everything that happens to you physically is completely separate from whatever happens to you mentally. Mm-hmm. So believing that you should be able to lose fat and believing that you deserve to lose fat is completely irrelevant. Oh, but when we test drugs, we use a double-blind placebo-controlled mm-hmm. human right. clinical trial <laughs> because we all know damn well that what we believe affects outcomes. It's ridiculous. So like nobody's talking about the fact that if you can make people believe they should be losing weight and they lose weight, what about when the subconscious mind is, or or the inner voice is telling somebody there is no way in hell you're ever going to lose weight. You suck every time you leave the house. Everybody who looks at you, looks at you and thinks you are fat. You're gross. That if, if your inner voice is telling you that all day, you don't stand a chance. Right. There's not, you you don't stand a chance. And I'm, I, I agree with you, AJ. I can see it 
on, on faces when they walk in and I never, ever turn anybody away, but I certainly see people that I'm like, you know what? There's some much bigger steps you need to be taking right now than, you know, go home and walk and maybe make some tiny little adjustments to your diet. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you got to sit down and maybe, maybe do some meditation to try to change that inner voice, practice being the person that you, that you want to be in your thought processes before you, you come and, you know, cast yourself against the rocks that are another failure mm -hmm. you know and it it's so hard because people end up in that position in that mindset um i mean not they're trying they're trying to do their part but i guess just to give a little personal story about how soon this kind of thought process begins um i was trying to come up with the, the about page for my original website that i started um before i was working with kiefer and I just couldn't come up with any content for it. And I was in the change room at the gym and I work out at the YMCA. So it's a family change room. I don't pay for the upgrade <laughs> to have no kids in the change room. And and I, uh, I remember standing there and there was a lady and her daughter and they had come from the pool and they were changing. And the daughter was little, like she was probably like five or six years old. And she was, I was trying not to look, but I was observing just what, you know, the communication that was going on. She was pointing at her mom's legs, which she had some cellulite, and she said, Mommy, what are these bumps? Why are they all over your legs? And this is a young girl, five or six years old. And you know what the mother's reply was? Oh, God, well, that's, what? Well, that's cellulite, honey, and you're going to get it, you know, right? Oh. I, her wording was like, and eventually you're going to get it too. So oh, well, let me just think about what she said here. She said... So, you know, when, you when you're young and you have nice legs, um, just, you know, flaunt it while you can because it's going to come to an, a, you know, like a screeching halt once you're out of university <laughs> oh, or whatever. Geez. She said something along the lines of that. And I was just like, oh my how God. Like, how awful. Like, that's actually what I wrote about on my about page, just how at a young age, these girls, are, they're making an observation. And then the mother's reply is, well, you're doomed to have this too. Right. First of all, she's a they're saying, you know, this is something that's unacceptable and bad because she's putting a bad label on it. You're doomed to have this too. You're going to get it. It's a part of getting older. Right. So flaunt your legs while they're nice and young and then cover them up when you get older And because this is going to happen to you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I was yeah. just, yeah, totally taken off guard by that. And I was just kind of depressed me actually just thinking, wow, you know, I'm glad my mother never said anything like that to me. And I can't imagine how someone growing up in an environment like that, how, you, how would you escape that negative mindset. It must be so hard, especially, you know, women who probably grew up around, uh, you know, that kind of environment coming to you, like in their thirties, like they've, mm -hmm. they've been exposed mm -hmm. to that kind of talk and putting yourself down and putting in body image down since they were young girls. And so like, where do you begin to work with people on that level, Jason? Well, you know, I've, I've, I'm just writing a series of posts right now for my, my website. I guess I didn't mention my site earlier. You can, you guys, your listeners can find me at 30 kviewcom It's actually a relatively new site, but I've been blogging there again, um, back to blogging and, um, I'm, I'm kind of covering this right now. So there's a really good, uh, exercise that I'm doing on there. Um, where I'm having, it's, it's sort of a journaling exercise and I don't want to uh, preempt the whole thing because I think it's pretty exciting. But um, the, the, the gist is that we, 
But, you know, I mean, first off, I, I'm totally with you. Like, moms, you cannot do that stuff to your daughters. It's just like, here is my whole bag of curses that you're mm-hmm. going to live with for the rest of your life. I remember, you know, I've told this story on my own podcast, but there's we've seen situations in the gym where somebody's kid is in there and you've got this, you know, the seven, eight-year-old little girl grabs her mom's phone and takes a picture of mom. And then mom sees this and like freaks out and takes the phone and deletes the picture real quick. And this kid, you just watch this kid unravel. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like this kid is going, wait a minute. I took this phone and I took a picture of literally the most beautiful thing I know of in my world. My mom, the most, the most amazing image that could be in this phone to me is my mom. And I just watched my mom show me that that's not right because mm-hmm she clearly doesn't like the way she looks. And you watch this kid try to process this. And it's like, they're pulling that thread on that sweater and maybe you only pull it a couple inches right there, but you're going to unravel that whole damn sweater starting with that one thread. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, and, and all you had to do is be like, Oh, thank you so much. And later on, delete the photo, but the freak out because this kid gets to see, Oh, mom hates her body. Right. Why would anybody hate their body? And then you start the whole process. Mm-hmm. But the general idea is <clears throat> I, I try to get people looking at what they have proof of. You know, um, you it requires an inner voice um, to get – and there's a whole bunch of this in those in these uh, examining body image posts that I'm putting up on 30K view right now. But um, – so it will go a lot deeper there. But you you walk into a – a, uh, a a room full of people that that you've never you've never seen before, and they look over at you. Everybody stops and looks over at you for a second and goes back to their business. And you have low body image. You go, these people all think I'm fat, and I look so terrible right now. You basically just want to turn around, go get back in your car, and leave because you're so uncomfortable. But the bottom line is, is that if we could inject you with something that would make you. Um, uh, you know, super confident. Mark Rogers said that was whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) If we could inject you with something that would just force you to be super confident when you walked into that room and everybody looked over, you'd be like, damn straight. Yep. Now, now it's a party. (laughs) The deal is, is the stimulus is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You need an inner voice to turn this into something negative, nothing positive or negative happened in that situation. And it's the same thing when you're, you're walking through the grocery store. I mean, somebody could literally walk up to you, look you over from head to toe, scowl in disgust and walk away. Now, if you're somebody that has uber confidence, you're going to be there puzzled. Like, well, that was weird. I wonder <laughs> if that person confused me with somebody else. Maybe I look like somebody that just screwed over his best friend. Maybe he, maybe I cut him off in the parking lot and he, and, and I don't know it. Like, I'm wonder what this could be, but you're not going to go, Oh my God, I looked so terrible. That person couldn't even refrain from dis- disgust in their face. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? The exact same stimulus. Mm-hmm. So I think what we do is we tally up these, this, this lifetime of events when only a couple of them are facts, right. you know, like a, a boy in seventh grade called you fat. Yes. That's a fact that actually happened. The boys didn't ask you to prom, but they did ask out the thinner girls. Okay. The part that I just said is fact. 
but you saying they didn't ask me out because I was fat, that's not fact. You don't know that. Mm -hmm. If you've believed since you were 12 that you're fat and disgusting, I bet you don't look real approachable. I bet you don't have this big smile on your face and look like somebody that would be real fun to spend a date night with. Mm -hmm. I bet you're trying to be unapproachable, at least subconsciously. I bet you're somebody that looks at the ground and keeps your headphones in. All of these are things that could be reasons why you're not being asked out that are completely unrelated to the fact that you're overweight. And this is about how you feel about yourself, but you tally it up as fact. I did not get asked to prom because I'm fat. If you can't go back and prove that and say, yes, boys came up to me and said, I was thinking about asking you out to prom, but I'm not going to because you're fat. Well, then you don't have any facts. Your dumb little inner voice is robbing you of life. It's stealing things from you. It's taking your ability to be happy because you're taking things that look like fact and then manufacturing them into things that actually feel like fact once you've filled in all the gaps in the same way that you always fill them in. Mm -hmm. But if anybody else could fill, fill those gaps in even slightly different, then it means that they're subjective. And if they're subjective, you can change. Easy? Oh, hell no. Right. <laughs> really, really hard, but yeah. changeable and sitting around going through your life, just letting your inner dialogue tell you at, 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 at random whims when you're going to be happy and when you're going to be miserable for a few hours because somebody happened to look at you is a really crappy way to live your life. Working really hard to change the way you think about yourself. And again, I mean, there's there's things like meditation required for this. There's things that require these moments of mindfulness where you catch yourself doing that and then consciously change your thought and go, wait a minute, I don't have any proof of this. What am I doing? And you move forward. If you can't work hard on that, you're not, I mean, like literally right before we got on this call, I was writing a bit and I wrote, you know, you did not, nobody ever walked down to the uh, driving range, you know, drove down to the driving range and got an amazing golf swing in a day. There's no way in hell anybody ever took a lifetime of negative thinking pathways in their brain and just shift them, shifted them to a positive uh, thinking pathway in a day. It's going to require doing this every single day for quite a while until that is the person that you are. But if we're willing to do this with exercise and diet and make these slow changes, then we need to be willing to do it the way we think. Does that all make sense? Completely. <laughs> Completely. Perfect sense. <laughs> awesome. No, it really does. But, you know, I'm glad that you said, you know, point out that this is not an easy thing and it's a step-by-step -step process. And it, you know, potentially is something you just have to remind yourself of every single day for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but what's wrong with that if it completely changes and improves the quality of your life and the quality of the life of the people that you share your life with, your exactly. family, your friends? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and to think that you don't, you wouldn't have to do that for the rest of your life is like, if, if, if you don't agree that you should have to do that for the rest of your life in order to improve, then you're kind of being that same person that says, well, how many workouts do I have to do before I have a perfect body and I can quit right. working out forever? Right. right. Yeah. No, you're, you're going to work out forever the same way you're going to get up every morning and brush your teeth and take a shower. Exactly. The alternative <laughs> is just not an option. Exactly. You know, you have, it has to be done. Yeah, absolutely has mm -hmm. to be done. And I mean, it can go like we were talking about, you know, making references to being like overweight or thinking that you're overweight. And it, this, this really is about anything, even like, you know, acne or 
Um, you know, I know a lot of people who can't afford nice clothes. Um, they just don't have the money to, you know, go to the store and buy whatever they want to buy. So they feel inferior because of that. So this kind of mentality is, you know, it goes across the board for anything like that that you feel insecure about. It's not mm -hmm, just right. about body image, right? Right, right. None yeah, of those totally. things are making the person. Right, yeah. exactly. And let, and let me be crystal clear. Um, I, people sometimes misconstrue my message and try to lump me into that category of the, of the um, just love yourself the way you are. And that has never been my message. I don't think that works. I think that, that sometimes we have a tendency to want to get together with, you know, other overweight people online and find groups and all say that we're fine like this. And then it doesn't, you know, and it feels good when you're in that group, but does it really work when you walk into the next, that next job interview mm -hmm. or you show up on that next blind date? My, I'm not saying love yourself the way you are and never change. That's more like apathy. I'm saying love yourself enough to change for the right reasons. Right. Love yourself enough to change because you know you deserve to change regardless if there was nobody here to tell you that you're better now that you changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ch change because you, you, you own it and you want it and you know your life will be better without the approval of other people. It will still be better and mm -hmm. it will. You want to live to be, you know, a hundred years old, run into your funeral, dive headfirst into your coffin, pull the lid down and yell, go, you know, you, you want to have energy and vitality. You want to have a body that feels good and performs well and, and you sleep good and you manage stress easy and, and throughout your life. That is a better life than that life where you limp through with a, with a body that barely, barely complies to what you want from it. Right. And looking good is just the icing on the cake. Exactly. And so, you know, be, be a person that's wholly attractive, not just my, my pants are smaller, so I'm attractive, but I'm, com I'm, I'm attractive because I'm confident and comfortable in the skin. I can do whatever I set my mind to. So I'm really fun to be around. Mm -hmm. I'm not that person who says no to everything that might be slightly physical in life because my body won't keep up. I'm out really living and that makes people want to be around me. Mm -hmm. be right, that and that, person. that translates into every other area of your life, whether it's just the relationships that you build, the people that you draw in, how you go into work, you know, the, the confidence oh. you have to even have, have a client who within the time that we've worked together, it's been a couple of years, but the, the, the transformation beyond the physical side has been amazing. I mean, just the confidence mm -hmm. that she has in being able to, you know, seek out a, a better job, something that she really enjoys doing because she feels capable. Of doing that those are such great stories mm -hmm. too i mean we've i think we all get a few of them and and unfortunately there's you know hardly anybody that can say that they've got you know uh hundreds of those but uh but you do you do get you know the major gigantic huge overhaul level of change in a few people in a career where you just look at them and you're like man you are a different person mm -hmm. those people have to like they, they end up with kind of, you know, sort of a new set of friends or they kind of rotate different people into their front row friends because they just can't be dragged down by the same old people that were dragging them down before. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of times they get different hobbies. I have a client that even decorates her house differently because, you know, in her 50s, she she used to have a house full of knickknacks and now she just doesn't have time to dust all that crap. She's got <laughs> stuff to do. You know, That's so awesome. it's just every, everything is different. And those are those success stories that get me out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like every little benefit to even the smallest benefits are, are worthwhile. And, and, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to want the same thing. If you just want some minor little changes in your life, awesome. But 
I am saying if you're sitting in a place of apathy and you're just like, screw it. None of it's going to work anyway. I just suck. You know, it's come find me and I'll grab you by the shoulders and violently shake you <laughs> and yell into your face how you deserve better. Mm-hmm. So, so terse. So it's hard to do I that. I think you might have. <laughs> it is. Um, Jason, I think you might have insight, some insight um, and some personal stories for us. Um, and I'll make this, I'll make this female. It doesn't have to be female specific. We train mostly females, but I, I screen assessments for males and females and I see it both genders, which is just drastically under eating. Oh, um, and it, yeah. it's, I mean, I do pay attention to macronutrient composition of the diet, especially when someone is trying to put on muscle and they're not eating anywhere near enough calories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to me how many people are afraid to eat more, even if it's yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> like right. even asking someone to just slightly incro- increase their protein intake to something that I would consider reasonable according mm-hmm. to their goals will absolutely throw someone into like a, a tailspin. They just can't fathom eating more food. Do you right. deal with this a lot? <laughs> Constantly, yeah. It's yeah. um, it's the majority of, uh, of women that come into the gym are, are eating, you know, the vast majority are eating between 12 and 1400 calories and will usually, uh, a good jumping off point is usually like, you know, let's get you up towards something like 1800 with the way we're gonna exercise you three days a week. And then we'll toy with it from there. But I'll tell everybody, I mean, once all of the other things are in place, like the right food choices are being made, exercise is right, um, you know, not irresponsible and psychotic, but actual responsible exercise. Um, and then, you know, sleep and stress management and all these things are in place. Calories end up being the problem for like one in 500 people. You know, it's just like they they that all comes out in the wash. It's never... And the problem is never that somebody's eating eating too much. It's always that they're not eating enough. And the huge majority of women, I shouldn't say that, the, the one in 500 people would be people eating, eating too much and we have to reduce their calories because the vast majority are not eating enough when they come in. Jim Laird said this same thing um, on our podcast. It's just, he trains a lot of women too. And it, it just, it's, it's across the board. It's so, so rare to have a woman come into the gym that's eating enough for fat loss. Mm-hmm. And when your, your whole MO has been starve yourself and do a bunch of cardio. And that's how you've been trying to lose weight. The message to your body is crystal clear. You're telling your body life on earth sucks. It's really hard here. There's not enough food to go around and we're constantly moving because either something is chasing us or we can't catch enough food. It requires a lot of energy expenditure to get that food. And your body is amazing. It's super awesome and adaptive and it does exactly what you're telling it to do. Mm-hmm. And it starts to, to, to conserve fat, hold back calories. You turn down your uh, resting metabolic rate at the thyroid. You upregulate things like lipoprotein lipase at the fat cell that helps you get fat into to the into the fat cell. Um, you, you, there's even some data saying that the gut microbiome in some cases might even be shifting to species that are better at extracting uh, calories from food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the whole, the whole system says, okay, there's not enough food to go around. What is the most important thing in the entire world right now? Body fat. Mm-hmm. It's just like you on a famine hits, right, but survival. prior to the famine, you're, 
yeah, prior to the famine, your big, your big, uh, uh, your big focus is your bank account. Your bank account is what allows you to do stuff, and you're not really too worried about your your uh, your your pantry. Well, in a, in body terms, your bank account is your muscle mass. That's what allows you to do stuff. And then your, your uh, pantry is your stored body fat. Mm-hmm. A famine hits, suddenly you're holding that pantry shut and guarding it with your life. You're nibbling out of it, hardly eating at all. And uh, this is not a great time to go do something like a marathon because we don't have enough calories to get through. Mm-hmm. But what about that bank account, that muscle mass? Oh, well, you know what? Right now, that bank account is not our big worry. And as a matter of fact, that muscle mass is very biochemically expensive. It's very, very, uh, very expensive to keep on our body. We'll get rid of it. Go ahead and dump that until we can't afford to dump anymore. And then we'll get rid of this, the last of this body fat. It's just like when you go to the starting line of a marathon, there's never anybody at the starting line of a marathon that you actually want to be built like. You've got two mm-hmm. types of people there. You've got the emaciated little twig people. They're there to win. That's their sport. I've got no beef with those guys. That's their sport. They want to they smash this marathon in a couple of hours. Rock on. That's fine. But if you, if you look close, everybody else is squishy and they're going, man, if I just add some more mileage each week, I'll mm-hmm. finally get rid of this, this squishiness. No, you're not going to. There's no middle ground there. The only really lean people are people with the absolute minimum amount of muscle mass. If you have a minimum amount of muscle mass in between marathons, I'm sorry, you also have a slow resting metabolic rate. Mm-hmm. You have a body that's compensated. And so stop treating your body like this world is in constant famine and something's constantly trying to catch you and kill you and start treating it like everything's wonderful here. We move around a lot at a slow pace. We sometimes move around at a high intense pace, like the kind of pace you would save your own life with. And we lift some heavy things and put them back down on a relatively regular basis. And there's plenty of food to fuel all of this. And when your body honestly believes that that's the world that you live in, your pantry won't need to be so damn huge. (laughs) Simple, right? Very. Well, I, I like to think it's simple. It's it's amazing how I run into this almost every time. I, I Not almost every time, but a lot of the time where this is the classic scenario. And the idea is I still need to get smaller and smaller. And right. I'm trying to explain, you know, sometimes it goes as far as, okay, send me a picture. Like, seriously, let's, let's be vain here. Send me a picture of what you want to look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then try to explain to that person that with the, the amount of muscle mass that you have right now, which is not very much, it doesn't matter how much more fat you could possibly lose. You'll never look like that. You'll never have that shape. You'll never have that booty. You'll never have Mm -hmm. shoulders unless you're willing to eat and put on some weight and gain some muscle mass. And that is, I think, for most women to get them to that point, you can kind of get them to commit, but to get them to commit to a long (laughs) enough period of time, it kind of feels like you're just holding someone's head underwater and they're just panicking, panicking the whole time, flailing away, and you just got them head underwater. Okay. Should I let them up yet or whatever? But, um, you know, the message is just keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know, it's amazing. You can add calories and it depends on the person, but if you add calories in with a, you know, a good strategy, I think people, if they give it enough time, they'll be amazed on how much they can actually eat Mm -hmm. and not put on fat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get actually get healthier. I I think all of that is a sign. Yeah, right. I think all of that is a sign of the times. It's like we are so far removed from how we spent the last 2.6 million years on this planet that we 
we don't, we can't relate to what it used to be like to just have these things happen to us by accident. The three of us all, if we really think about it, the three of us all have jobs that are kind of a joke. I mean, when you really break it down, <laughs> we teach people how to fake what used to happen to everybody completely by accident. And we've changed all the rules so that optimum foraging strategy doesn't really, it's, it's now screwing us. Every creature on the face of the planet wanders around trying to find the most possible food for the least caloric expenditure. And so now you can be sitting on the couch, get up 30 seconds later, be back on the couch with literally, you know, three or 4,000 calories of ice cream and almost zero effort to get it. And a highly palatable food that doesn't have nutritional value, which mm -hmm. again was impossible in nature. I mean, for most of those 2.6 million years, if something the more palatable something was, the more it meant it was good for you. So with all of these rules broken and us so far removed from, you know, generation after generation from the last time anybody was anywhere near anything like hunting and gathering, we're now just confused. And we look around and we see 60% overweight and 30 whatever. 33% obesity, it's kind of no wonder that people simply think of a good body as a body that's just not fat. And so like you'll see, you know, people will show, you know, I'll, I've asked people for pictures of what they want to look like and they'll show me some thin little body and mm -hmm. then I'll show them a picture of a body that's like well muscled and actually fit and healthy and their attitude is, well, yeah, of course that looks better, but I could never do that. Like it's just completely out of reach. And it's like, well, why not? You have a body. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. possible for you to get that body into peak health. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what, what, you know, I mean, we could, what, what kind of predictions we ever made, a body in peak health will always be more attractive than a body that's either nowhere near peak health or trying to fake peak health by simply being smaller. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to send our audience mixed messages because I do a lot of assessments that I review. People do need to get their calories under control. Um, uh -huh. I still do have like the people who are, you know, substantially overeating or especially just overeating for um, or just the wrong kinds of food, too. I see a lot of that. But, you know, once you are healthy and this is the message I always try to get to people, it's like, let's bring you up to that peak health that you're talking about. And then if we're really concerned about, you know, a couple percentages of body fat here and there. And Alex deals with this all the time because she does show prep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then we're really tackling those small calorie adjustments and things like that. Yeah. But it's never like nine, like you said, 99% of the time, that's never going to be the first thing you've got to get that body responding, right? You've got to boost your metabolism. You've got to start sending all the right signals to put on lean body mass. Mm -hmm. And then once you're there and you're in that healthy, um, zone or whatever you want to call it, and you can sustain that easily, mm -hmm. then start tinkering with stuff. Then it's really fascinating to see what those little things will do. But sure. to do those things in the short term, right off the bat, I mean, you're just, you're just spinning your wheels. You're just right. going to end up right back where you are three months from now. <laughs> yeah. And show prep is a very, very different game than, than uh, what I normally do. And I it definitely calories absolutely count in that. There's mm -hmm. no question. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they count in, 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 in athletics and, and various things where you're taking a body beyond just getting it healthy to some mm -hmm. either, either an aesthetic place or a performance place, then of course, yes, calories yeah. absolutely do matter. When I have somebody that walks in at 40 years old with, uh, you know, a dozen uh, times in her past when she lost and regained the same 20 or 30 pounds, uh, a lot of metabolic damage and in a very bad place in her head, usually the right food choices alone 
handle all of the calorie issues to the degree right. that she needs to handle them to right. at least like she gets the right food choices and satiety actually happens instead of things like bloating and and uh, you know I mean like you you feel like wow you know I've I've eaten the right amount of food today because my body's able to actually produce all the right hormonal signals to that end mm-hmm. when I'm not you know have you ever have you ever eaten steak to a point where you just felt like you were going to puke you were so full I mean, most of us can't say we have unless we've been in some sort of meat <laughs> eating contest. Um, maybe this maybe past just, weekend that might have happened. Just a couple times. Maybe just a couple no, times. It, yeah, it okay. is very, very difficult to do, but I, uh, I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> I, I am I am too, I have to admit. But it's a different but it's, kind yeah, of Yeah, it's a different kind of – exactly. Yes. Very different. Like if Very you different. eat pizza until you're going to puke, you, you're, you're bloated, your stomach is distended, you yeah. are like – Holy yeah. crap, you're burping. You know you're going to be gassy later. Steak isn't like that. You could eat steak until you're stuffed because yeah. we love steak, but you can't really eat it to a point where you feel like, um, I don't know, maybe maybe if you were in, a, in an e- eating contest, you could eat it where you're like, if I eat one more bite, I'm going to throw up. But the signals come in way earlier. You know, it's right. like it's true. you do something like pizza and it's like just all of a sudden it's just on you. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I'm eating away and everything's fine. And then the next moment I'm like, I'm going to die. Right. Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> what just happened and it's that you know you're not getting cck and some of these signals that allow you to allow your body your brain to go hey you know what we're we're good with i just got the signals from down below that there's enough food down there we probably don't need to pick up that next bite so. awesome so we are almost out of time is i want you to give you jason the opportunity to talk about where we can find you and if you have like one major message that you would just love to give to the general audience yeah, um, I think where where you're gonna if you want to just go to one spot and be able to find out everything that I do, all you know the podcast, the books, everything in, in one one place. My site at thirty k view dot com three dot com. Um, I uh, that that's gonna be the best place for you to find everything. But I think like for one big general message. Oh man, that's asking a lot. I don't know that I can <laughs> distill it down like that, but like, as the name of my site says, I think that, um, you know, we've got these, you know, reductionism drives science, but it's not a great way to find health in an individual. And what I mean by that is we focus on one in, in science, scientists will focus on one thing and they'll get a narrower and narrower and narrower point of view until they advance their science in that narrow range and then they go win a Nobel Prize. And that's fantastic. We learn a lot. But if you want to really figure out how to be really healthy, you have to stand back as far as you can and encompass as much as you can. It's not like you have to make massive changes in every area of your life, but you do need to look at the whole picture. Diet alone or exercise alone or even diet and exercise in a lot of cases are not going to hold all of the answers and people aren't stepping back far enough and realizing that we have all of these inputs of health mainly falling under diet, exercise, sleep, and stress management and any one of these things can unravel all of your goals Mm -hmm. and then Once you understand that, you need to slow the heck down. You need to take, let this stuff take a while and become something over the course of say a year that is absolutely unbelievably amazing as opposed to trying to become something that is partially okay and cool and okay to look at and fits in that dress for the course of a weekend before everything falls apart on you again. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's as good as I'm going to do in a short sound bite. And even that wasn't short. 
That well, was that was pretty darn good, though. Good. I really like that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that, that you ended things off with that because I think that's a great message. So I cool. really enjoyed having you on the show. And thanks for that message to our audience because it's really in line what, with what we try to um, teach our audience. So hopefully the more they hear it, the more they're going to believe it and stop wondering if five grams of leucine is going to halt all <laughs> body fat burning before a hit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so... Well, thank you very well, much. Thanks, everyone, for yeah. tuning in to another episode of Her Body. And thanks, Jason, for joining us today. And we will you. catch you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Bye. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM. With your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengle. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs>